Welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is the college football week 10 episode. We are going to break down all the biggest games as always. Give out what I am um, putting my money on and where I'm going on my betting side. Um, right now in the season, 29 and 21 record. Nice 58%. So we are profitable in college football. Uh, make sure to check out the NFL show. Uh, we're breaking down every single game with the exception of the Monday night game. I lost uh, internet last night, so we didn't get to get that one out. But I will have something for that on Monday night. But go ahead and check out the NFL podcast. Got some great information there. Um, feel really good about the breakdown we did for the big game, Bengals-Bills. Um, as well as the Miami uh, Chiefs game in, in in Germany. So go ahead and check that out. Hopefully you like it. But let's talk college football because we got some some big-time games this week. And it kicks right off with a little Kansas State-Texas. Line is at four, over, under, at 50. Texas has come into this series winning six straight. Five of those games, though, have been under a touchdown, putting us right in this lane of four that we've got going on here. Um this is an interesting matchup. I I I think that this game is going to be very trendy to to pick Kansas State, and I think we need to break this one down a little bit here because this Kansas State team historically has been a very physical football team, and that's what gives them the edge right now. You know, very similar to Utah in the Pac-12, they just play a very physical brand of football. They beat you up. You leave that game feeling like you just played Kansas state. You remember playing them when you look back on that season. Um, and, and I think they have an opportunity to do that against Texas's rush game here. You know, I think they're, they're going to have the ability to be very physical in the trenches uh, and stuff a, a pretty good run game. I really like Jonathan Brooks. I, I think what he's been doing this season has been pretty good. Um, I think this Texas offensive line is probably a year behind. Um, I think next year they have the opportunity to be really good in the trenches here, which is perfect for them transitioning to the sec. Um, but the opportunity that really presents itself here is against this secondary worthy and Mitchell for Texas should absolutely eat in this game. It's just, what does Stark do with Malik Murphy at quarterback? You know, last week, I think a lot of people are picking Kansas state because they're using the sample size of last week. And I do wonder how much Stark really opened up here for Malik in that game, how much he really showed. Yes. Malik, you know, wasn't fantastic. I think it was a little underwhelming. He had the bad interception and then the fumble when he got hit, um, which you got to do a better job securing the football here, but they're playing a down BYU team. They don't really have to open up the playbook here. We know that Stark is a really good schemer. He's a really good play caller and he tailors his offense to really suit his players. And I think that he's going to have a, a game call here that's going to suit Malik Murphy. Um, and they're going to be able to take deep shots and they're going to utilize Malik Murphy's legs a little bit more here to give them advantage in the run game that I think they're going to have a little hard time finding success in. But the real opportunity here is in that passing game because this Kansas State defense gives up big explosive plays. They are able to get got and the talent that Texas has at wide receiver is superior to what this secondary, it's the best wide receiver core. I think this secondary has seen this season. And so there's a real opportunity there for them to kind of thrash this defense. Now you flip the side, Texas defense is really good and it's really well balanced and it's really well structured against a Kansas state team that, I think the, the objective for Texas is going to be simply, you're going to have to beat us through the air. You're going to have to put the ball in Howard's hands, and he's going to have to beat us passing the ball. And I don't know if Howard can do that. Like, I do think they're going to find success stuffing this Kansas State rushing offense. Um, they got to make sure they tackle well here and give an outing like they gave in the Alabama game. Um, but I, I do think that there's a real path to success. I haven't placed a wager. I think, I think the over might be possible here. 
You know what? Screw it. Let's go Texas minus four. Let's believe in Stark. Let's believe in Malik Murphy here. I do believe in this offense. I really like this Texas defense. I think Texas, you know, Oregon is really, I think, just edged them out for the best one loss team. Sorry, I just hit the mic there. But Texas is right there, like neck and neck. You know, having Ewers in this game would have been great. You got a good backup in Malik Murphy. I think he's going to be a little bit better here now that he's gotten his feet under him. He's re- kind of re-gotten familiar with college football in the pace of the game here. He's a guy that would start on a lot of Big Ten team or Big 12 teams, SEC teams, Big Ten teams. So he's a very capable quarterback. I like him. Let's go. Let's go Texas minus minus the four. Um, Notre Dame Clemson plus three and a half or plus three Clemson over under 44 and a half. This is my don't overthink it game here, folks. Like I've I've gone ahead and I I placed a wager on Notre Dame. Like this is a game where Clemson just doesn't know who it is anymore as a program. It's completely lost. It is a ship without a rudder or sail. Um, this is an offense that struggles. It has no idea who it is, especially the closer they get to the red zone. Um, you've seen that in multiple games this season. And this is a Notre Dame defense that is elite. One of the top tier units in college football that absolutely gets after your ass. And this is a team that, especially as you get closer to the red zone, gets better. Um, as long as they can count to 11 and make sure they have 11 men on the field, they're very good in the red zone. So I don't see a path for a lot of success here for Clemson. This is a team that is lacking depth right now. And that's the main sacrifice you make by refusing to take advantage of the transfer portal. That's what elite programs do. They utilize the transfer portal to plug a gap here and here, here and there that they haven't been able to fill through high school recruiting and development of those players. So they go out and they get a corner or a left tackle or whatever they need to plug a hole. And then they build depth because over the course of the football season, you're going to get banged up. You're going to have nicks and bruises. You need to be able to rotate fresh bodies in and Clemson just does not have that. They lack depth. Um, they don't have the elite wide receiver room that we've been accustomed to. They don't have the elite quarterback play that we've been accustomed to. They don't have the elite running back play we've been accustomed to. Like this is a really, really down offense that has no identity right now. And there needs to be a real philosophical change in the Clemson organization if they want to get back to a level where they're competing at the top. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Clemson's days of competing at the top are over. Um, I think Dabo is washed and his shtick is up. And I think kids have kind of picked up on that and, and he's dug his own grave. But at the end of the day, he built Clemson. He made Clemson what it is. Clemson is Dabo and Dabo is Clemson. And that's just, that's it. You know, he beat Nick Saban twice. Won two national championships. Like the heyday's over unless there are some major changes, which just knowing who Dabo is, is not going to happen um, in my, I mean, maybe it will, maybe he'll shock the world and make some changes, but I, I just don't see it happening. You can't raid the state of Georgia like you used to for athletes and players. And so, yeah, this is just not a very good team. And defensively, they're still good, but they're not what they were under Brent Venables. And Notre Dame, while they have struggled offensively, I think is going to have some really good opportunities here. They're going to pound the rock. Sam Hartman is going to be a little bit more efficient in this game, I think. I think that what we've seen from this Notre Dame offense is unfortunately, you know, this the consequences of not going out and getting an elite OC like you could have and paying for that. You got a guy who's inexperienced trying to figure out his style and what he can do for this team from a play calling standpoint. And those struggles have shown early. And You've under-recruited the wide receiver room. There's been intention to beef up that wide receiver room. Um, and they went out and signed a four-star, I think now five-star kid. 
Um, and they're looking to, to make that better in the future. But this year, it's a little bit of a down wide receiver room. It's gotten healthier, though. You got a stud left tackle. The rest of the offensive line has been a little underwhelming, but they're starting to play a little bit better. They really came. They got their buy at the perfect time um, to get a little bit healthier here. I think the offense will have some opportunities. So, yeah, Notre Dame minus three. Let's rip it. Uh, Washington USC. This is a game that we need to be really concerned with. If Washington can't find itself again, can't get its legs back under it. Um, I do wonder if the Washington offense has struggled in part because maybe Penix is dealing with some injuries. Like he just, he hasn't looked right or comfortable. And this is a guy that unfortunately has some really bad injury luck. So I'm wondering, you know, nothing significant, but I'm wondering if he's just been dealing with some injuries here a little bit. They've also gotten weirdly away from running the football. Like they're averaging 67 yards over the last three weeks, cut in half from what they were doing previous to the last three weeks. You know, they only got 13 yards against Arizona state. They barely ran the ball. It's been a lot of like, let's rip it. Like, let's just let Penix rip it. And he's looked a little uncomfortable. So I do wonder if, if the seasons weighed on him a little bit here, but this is a spot where they should get better because USC at this point now, because they haven't had a buy and they've got this weird, funky schedule. They played the most games in college football without a buy. Um, and you can see that in their defensive line, the legs just aren't under them. They're not getting pressure like they used to. And not that they were like a crazy pressure team, but they were the, the defensive line was the one bright spot for this team, you know? Um, and they haven't been able to get those legs back under them. They desperately need a buy. USC is on quit watch. They are very much on quit watch. Like things are going bad for USC here. Um, defensively, obviously, but even offensively, you look at this offense and you go, yeah, they're still putting up a ton of points, but when you really watch it, it just feels off. Like there's no stud wide receiver like we've seen in years past. Caleb Williams is, is not playing within structure. There doesn't seem to be much structure offensively. I mean, your best player, obviously, arguably is Lloyd. And he's a guy that got seven and eight carries in your two most important games in Utah and Notre Dame. Like <clears throat> the structure just doesn't seem, it seems lazy by Lincoln Riley. I don't know what's going on. Um, it's a lot of let Caleb run around and hunt the deep ball he's got to take what's being given to him this week. It's got to be a little bit more methodical. It's got to be a little bit more structured and play within the structure and feed Lloyd the ball and not constantly be hunting the deep ball here because while Washington doesn't have a fantastic defense, they have a decent enough one that they're going to get some stops if you continue to play offense like you have the last couple of weeks. Um, and so this is a real danger spot for USC and a real quit alert spot and quit watch alert. Um, and I wonder, you know, what the thoughts are internally at USC because it they're, you're seemingly taking a step back. You don't have a great recruiting class. Like you're really going to have to hit the portal here. So we'll see. I think points obviously are going to be a big thing here. Um, I've sort of been blindly betting the overs this season on USC. It's been very profitable. I, I don't necessarily think that's going to stop here, but I, I do question their ability to stay within the three because the offense just, it hasn't looked right to me this year. And I think Washington is going to refine itself offensively um, in this game. It's hard not to refine itself offensively against this USC defense. And after that, there's got to be some real questions. You know, Lincoln Riley's got to look around and, and decide, does he want to be the USC head coach? Because if he does, probably time to let go of Alex Grinch. I know he's your buddy, but probably time to cut cut ties there and it's time to reevaluate the offensive game plan and structure and, and what you're doing philosophically from an offense and recruiting standpoint because it's it's down
All right, Missouri, Georgia line is at 14 over under 55 and a half. Look, folks, I think Missouri, fantastic story, been a great offense. This is clearly their toughest test. In true Kirby Smart fashion, this Georgia team is just ascending at the right time. They just get better as the season goes. It takes them a little bit to figure out what they're going to be, and then they they start clicking. Now, the defense isn't this elite unit we've seen the last couple of years, and it's hard to be when you have that much talent going to the NFL every year on defense. Still a very good defensive unit. This will be the most physical test Missouri's faced. The wide receivers here, I'm concerned for Missouri because they have not faced corners that will get hands on you like these corners will and play you the way these corners at Georgia will play you. This is going to be a really tough game for Missouri. And at the end of the day, it comes down to what kind of faith you have in Cooks. And Missouri doesn't even have that much faith. You know, this is a guy that they've tried to replace back-to-back years. Um, and so I do think there's an avenue that they'll score a couple points and contribute to this total. I think Georgia's about to flame them here, though. Georgia's offense is clicking at the right time. Carson Becks is a very good college quarterback. Like, he is playing within the structure and the scheme. Guys are stepping up in Brock Bauer's absence. They figured offensively their strengths and they're playing to it. And I, I think this is an opportunity for a potential over here. Like I, I think Georgia could score 40 on this defense. And so then the question becomes, you know, can Missouri chip in a little bit here to the over? And I think they'll, they'll have some success, but I think they're going to really struggle to stay within the 14 as the game progresses on maybe early, have a little success because they're going to scheme some things up. They've got a fantastic coaching staff. They're going to scheme some things up to get some points put on the board. But they I don't know if they can scheme their way into covering 14. I, I just, I, I seriously doubt it. Um, I haven't done anything with the side, but I think the over is certainly in play here. And I'm, I'm going to go the over on this one. Bedlam, it's the last one. Casualty of conference realignment. Second oldest played rivalry in college sports that we're losing here. And they play it not at night absolutely screwed us. Bedlam should never be played at any other time, but at night, 7.30, 8 o'clock kickoffs. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Rocking house. Like, should never be played anywhere else, but at night. And we're we're going out like this? What an absolute joke. Um, This game is slated right now at 6. Oklahoma State comes in as the underdog over under 61 and a half. I'm still pissed that we're playing this early in the day. Absolute joke. A 3.30 Eastern kickoff. What, 2.30 their time? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, But we got to talk about the game. Oklahoma State, arguably the most improved offense in the country because they identified, oh, hey, we got one of the best players in the country in Ollie Gordon. What this dude has been doing, and simply by just giving him carries, is phenomenal. Like Barry Sanders-esque performances out there. So I think the evaluation is going to be very simple for Oklahoma. We're going to load the box and just, you can't beat us with him. You're going to have to throw the ball here. And they found stability at Oklahoma state in the quarterback position. Finally, I think there's some opportunities. Oklahoma. It's very weird. Oklahoma seems to have turtled since the Texas game. And what I mean by that is they, they don't, they're not very aggressive offensively and they're not very aggressive defensively. They have this like phone book offense, which we'll talk about here in a second. And defensively, they play a lot of off coverage and it's, it's very weird for Brent Venables. He doesn't, it feels like he knows he doesn't have the guys that he needs yet. It's much improved obviously, but they're still like a year or two away from having the defensive talent that he really wants to run what he wants to run. And you see that most in the tackling game, like, 
I've been underwhelmed with their ability to, to form tackle and, and to get guys down and not allow a ton of yak. Um, and they get out of position a lot. And, and that's why I think I'm not going to bet an o- under in Bedlam, but I am going to bet the over here. Last Bedlam going out on the over because I do think, well, I think Oklahoma State will have some opportunities here, score some points. This game always gets a little funky. Um, Oklahoma should be able to score some points here too because this is a team that rightfully so got criticized for being non-aggressive in that Kansas State game, for coming out looking like they had a little shell shock. Um, Cold weather game, just got punched in the mouth and took a little while to kind of wake up and respond. A lot of short passing game. Didn't feel like they wanted to open it up a lot. And I think that criticism was heard. I mean, Brent Venables essentially said, yeah, us not being aggressive was a problem. Um, And so I think they will be a little bit more aggressive here. It's the last Bedlam game. They're going to come out swinging, I think. So let's go over uh, the 61, now 62, it just flashed. So 61 or 62, whatever you can get, shop around. Um, We're going to go 62 here for for the podcast because that's what I'm seeing right now on the screen. Let's go over. LSU Alabama line is at three over under 61 and a half. I have a side in this game. I've I've placed a wager in this one, but let's talk about it. Um, obviously LSU most lethal offense in the country right now. Daniels is rightfully in the Heisman driver's seat. I think at this point, um, we'll see how that, that finishes up here. This is a real opportunity for him to continue to grow that stock um, against arguably the toughest defense they've seen yet. You know, this is an LSU team that, yeah, they played Florida state, but, that Florida state defense wasn't ready for the moment in that game. And they haven't seen very tough defenses since Alabama presents some problems defensively for them enough problems. I think they can get a stop or two. So then the question becomes, what does Alabama present offensively? And let me tell you folks, this is going to be a real problem for LSU. LSU is dealing with some really crucial injuries. They identified in the off season. Secondary is a problem. We got to get some talented. They brought in four guys, all four out for this game. You lose your best Corner, arguably, and Alexander out with an ankle injury. Chestnut and Harris aren't with the team currently. Wingo, your best defender against the run, out. And you get an Alabama offense that is elite in explosiveness. I When it comes to passing the ball down the field, Jalen Milrow is elite. 23% of his passes, 20 yards or more. And this is a wide receiver room that's down to Alabama standards, and yet they are still explosive as hell. Jalen Milrow is not having a lot of turnover-worthy throws when passing the ball deep. He's a real assassin sniper when it comes to the deep ball. And he's mobile, so Alabama's offensive line is down this year. You know, LSU's going to dial up, have to dial up some pressures and get Jalen Milrow off his spot, but he's shown that he can be mobile and maneuver within the pocket. You've got an Alabama rushing offense that is getting better, and LSU's best defender against the run, and Wingo is down and out for this game rest of the season, huge loss for them. Like this is the defining factor here. This is why I've gone Alabama minus three. I know I've got a lot of chalk on my card this week, but it, it feels like a favorite week. It feels like a lot of teams about to break out here. Um, and, and I just, I think Alabama is going to get a stop or two defensively. And I don't know how the stops are going to come for LSU. I really don't, unless Alabama absolutely shoots itself in the foot. But Tommy Reese is is finally understanding, I think, from a play-calling standpoint, what Nick Saban and this offense wants to accomplish. And he's starting to become a little bit better. Like, his best attribute at Notre Dame was scheming things up week to week. He had to learn a new system. Like, it wasn't that scenario we generally see in college football where you hire an offensive coordinator and he kind of brings in his system. No. 
Tommy Reese was learning the Alabama system and learning the intricacies of it. And I think we finally, at this point in the season, see that he's able to work with that a lot better from a play calling standpoint. And I just struggle to see where LSU is going to get the stops to, to stay within three. I, I The three number is the troubling part. If, it, if you can get a hook, maybe there's some value, but I just, I, I struggle to see how LSU is going to stop Alabama's offense. And I do see a path for Alabama to get a couple key stops against this LSU offense, which is number one in the country. And Daniel's ability to run changes every dynamic in this game. And he's gotten better at that because he put on some weight and hit the weight room. He's more durable. And this is this is by far the most, like, this is going to be an awesome game. You might even play it over and just say, screw it, call it a day and hope hope for points, 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 um, which is very possible. Another game that I went ahead and bet Friday night, BC versus Syracuse. Look, I love Dino. Dino's awesome. He's done a phenomenal job at Syracuse. But it's becoming real apparent that they're just too banged up here. Like, there's no depth. This is the 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 problem with being a Syracuse head football coach is you just don't have the resources to really get the depth in that you need to compete over the course of the season. This is the problem that Dino faces every single year. They start off really hot because he's a fantastic football coach, but they start to get some injuries and things fall off the rails because they have no depth behind it. And that's what you got here. BC, Jeff Happily, I thought was going to be a lot better at BC. I really had high expectations for him. It hasn't come to fruition um bc's really struggled to be even remotely competitive but this is a spot where i think they can control the trenches get out and and cover the three number here so i like i like that um so that's the way i see the board breaking down this week um we might have some additional plays as always so make sure you're following at trophy kids pod on instagram and twitter and tiktok um to make sure you get all the plays. We've been really good in college football right now. 58%, like I said at the beginning of the show. Hopefully we stay hot. Hopefully we gave you some good information so that you can make your own decisions here and, and how you want to attack the board this week. This is the way I see it. Hopefully it plays out that way. And as always, peace. Peace.